Let's take our Bibles this morning and be turning again to the Gospel of Mark, and we're going to be in chapter 12, finishing up the 12th chapter of the Gospel of Mark. And for those of you who are guests, we take, we're taking this book of the Bible, Mark's Gospel, just going verse by verse, chapter by chapter, through the entire uh, book. And it's just good to take the passages they come and see what God has to say to us from His Word. If you ever wanted to hear from God, then I would encourage you to get into the Bible because God has spoken to us through his word and uh, he, he continually speaks to us through his word. Mark chapter 12, and if you're able to stand, I'm going to ask you to stand with us for the reading of the word of God and then we'll, and we'll get into the scripture together. Mark chapter 12 and verse 41, the Bible says, and Jesus sat over against the treasury and beheld how the people cast money into the treasury. It's a scene worth pondering, isn't it? Jesus sitting and just watching people as they gave, as they gave money and he's thinking about something. He's going to use it as an object lesson to tell the disciples some things. It says in the last part of verse 41, and many that were rich cast in much and there came a certain poor widow, and she threw in two mites, which make a farthing. We're going to talk about that a little bit, what a meager offering that was. Verse 43 says, And he called unto him his disciples, and saith unto them, Verily I say unto you, that this poor widow hath cast more in than all they which have cast into the treasury. For all they did cast in of their abundance, but she of her want did cast in all that she had, even all her living. Interesting observation, interesting way to end this chapter but more importantly, this is the last scene before he leaves the temple for the last time, before he'll eventually go to the cross. So let's ask the Lord to help us as we study. Father, once again, we pray that you would bless as we study the Bible together. We know, Father, that the thing that matters most is not our opinion, but your word, your opinion that you've recorded for us in the Bible so bless as we study, speak to our hearts. May we have an open mind and an open heart. And may all of us choose, want to choose, to be on the narrow way to life. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Thank you so much. As I said, Jesus is still in the temple area. If you look in chapter 13 and verse 1, just to kind of give us a point of reference, Mark 13, 1, and as he went out of the temple. So this happened just before Jesus exited the temple area. And he sees this woman with her offering, bringing her offering. And as Jesus would do, we've seen this so many times in the Gospel of Mark. He uses common experiences as teaching opportunities. And here we see him doing it once again. Now let's just say a little bit about the temple giving and the temple offering. You know, bringing offerings to the temple was a common practice 
for the Jewish people. Sometimes they would bring sacrifices like animals to sacrifice or they'd bring birds, you know, doves or to, they'd bring grains sometime, flour, grains as a part of their giving. But they also brought coins, coinage. And um, it says here that it was seated in verse 41 against the treasury. Now it doesn't tell us this here, but the treasury was a, was a large court, part of the court of women. There was, we've talked about this before, the layout of the temple area. And a part of that is the court of women. And in that, there were areas where people could give their offerings. Now, it reminded me, studying this, about our offering boxes at the back of the auditorium. Nobody's going to stand there and watch you give. But anyway, they were bringing their offerings. And, and these... these um, Vessels where they would give, supposedly, what I've read and studied, a lot of people agree on this, that there were 13 of them and they were in the shape of trumpets, like a trumpet turned upside down. So you'd put your offering, your coins, in the larger, the mouth of that, that would go down into that trumpet. And uh, the reason it was in the court of women was because some of the courts, everyone couldn't go into, but in the court of the women, everyone could go into. And so that's the setting and uh, these people are giving, and, and, we, and Jesus focuses on this widow's giving. Now, she wasn't just a widow. The Bible says in verse 42, she was a poor widow. She was a widow with very little means. And we see that as Jesus elaborates a little further in the passage on this. And the Bible says that she, that she threw in two mites. She took two two mites, those were actually two coins, and they were brass coins. The word um, in money there in verse 41 and the word mites in verse 42 both refer to brass coins. They were just brass, and that brass coin was the smallest denomination of a coin in the Jewish uh, uh, Money, the, the smallest coin they used, you know, like we have a quarter and we have nickels and dimes and, and, the, and the, the one that my wife gives me are the penny, the copper one. So these are, these are uh, little, little coins and it's estimated that her gift, which it says two of those mites make a farthing, would be like a fraction of a penny. That's not very much money, right? And she gave that in her offering. And uh, Luke says this, as he's writing about this in his gospel, it says, she of her penury hath cast in all the living that she had. The word penury means bankruptcy or poverty or deficit or want. She gave out of her poverty this, this offering and and she was, and God's going to use her. Isn't that an interesting thing? The Lord's going to use her as an object lesson. By the way, thank God for the faith of widows. I was thinking about this as I was reading this. My wife and I were reading our Bibles yesterday morning uh, before we started our busy day. And um, in 1 Timothy, we were reading where Paul records about widows and the care of widows. And he said this, widows who trusted in God and continueth in supplications and prayers night and day. What a testimony of widows, faithful to God. And I was thinking about that uh, yesterday, about how some of the most godly men and women that I've ever known in my life, in this church and otherwise, 
are people who've spent their latter years alone but devoted themselves and their, and their heart and their giving and their prayers to the work of God. So here's this poor widow who casts in two mites into the offering. Jesus wanted his disciples to learn from this. Look in verse 43. And he called unto him his disciples. So apparently they weren't necessarily all around him at that moment. We don't know where they were, how far they were away. But he got them together. He called his disciples and he's going to give them a lesson in, about this woman and her giving. Now, as I'm reading this, I'm thinking about last week's lesson out from Mark chapter 12. And that was about Jesus' warning, beware of the scribes. Remember that? And one, what did he say about the scribes? Look at one thing he said about the scribes in verse 40 of chapter 12. Which devour widows' houses. Remember he talked about, we talked about how these scribes were taking advantage of these widows. How they were sort of plundering these vulnerable women at this state of their life. And now Jesus, in that context... Is, is giving a comparison against these fraudulent religious fakes who were taking advantage of widows, and we see a great contrast. They're, they're in that same area. These, these religious people who are taking advantage of others and, and capitalizing on people's goodwill, and then you have this faithful, humble, sacrificial, giving widow. Isn't that a great contrast? And so what do we take away from this? One thing we take away from it is this. Jesus observes giving. Look what it says there in verse 41. And Jesus sat over against the treasury and beheld. That means he looked. He was beholding how people cast their money into the treasury. And one of the things he commented about was these people about who gave large offerings. Look at it in verse 41, and many that were rich cast in much. You know, Jesus, this is not the first time Jesus used wealthy people who gave much, and I believe gave much to be seen of men, and, and used them as an example of what not to do. I hold your finger here in Mark chapter 12, and I want to go to the gospel of Matthew where this is so clear. Matthew chapter 6. By the way, there's nothing wrong with having means. There's nothing wrong with having wealth. And there's nothing wrong with giving a large portion of our wealth to the work of God. Nothing wrong with any of that unless you're doing it for the wrong reason. Unless you're doing it to be seen of men. Look in Mark chapter 6 and notice what Jesus said. Take heed that you do not your alms before men to be seen of them. Otherwise you have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. He says to his disciples, those who are listening to him, the Sermon on the Mount is the occasion, and he says, if you give, if you sacrifice, if you serve, in order for people to notice it and notice you, he says, your Father's not going to reward you for that. Verse 2, Therefore when thou doest thine alms, do not sound a trumpet before thee as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets that they may have glory of men. Verily I say unto you, 
They have their reward. You know, tonight in our message going through end time studies, we're going to talk about um, the judgment seat of Christ and how we're rewarded for our service. But he says here, if you do things for the praise of men, you already have your reward. Verse 3 says, But when thou doest alms, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth. In other words, don't do it publicly, do it privately. That thine alms may be in secret. Now notice this in verse 4. That thy fa- and thy father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. So here again, he uses these people as an example of what not to do. And I'm going to go back to Mark chapter 12 if you join me there. So we have these people, Jesus says in verse 41, uh, or the Bible says, who are casting in much because they were rich. But then in verse uh, 42 it says, there was a certain poor widow, and again we've covered that, she brought this very small, meager offering. Um, We're learning some things. Jesus is using this for an example. He's watching this. He's watching what people do. There's a difference in Jesus and us. Not a difference between Jesus and us. But we can see what people do. What we can't see is why they do what they do. Right? Jesus knows a person's heart. He knows what they're thinking. And he, I believe he's still watching people and seeing what we do. And I believe Jesus observes us. I think he sees what we do. You know, we, we haven't been passing the plate since the COVID struck us. Uh, we've just, we've just have a giving boxes on the back. We're, we've got two. We're going to add 11 more, so we'll have 13. And we're going to make them in the shape of a trumpet. So, no, we're not going to do that. But we used to teach our ushers when ushers were ushers. We used to teach our ushers that uh, when, you're, when you're standing there and passing the plate, don't look at people while they give. You know, that's, a, that's something that, that make them feel uncomfortable. We taught them that. We did tell them this, though. If they don't give enough, just send it back by them a second time. No, we didn't tell them that. But um, Jesus observes what we're doing. He observes. Jesus sees when we give, not just money. Jesus sees, sees when we give our time. Jesus sees when we give our service. Jesus sees when we, Jesus sees all. He watches stuff. We may, you know, sometimes people act like Jesus in heaven, but he's, he's, you know, he's on his Facebook feed all the time. He doesn't really see what's going on. No, he knows what's going on. He watches what's going on. You know, I was uh, texted one of our men this week because I noticed one morning when I came uh, to church that some weed eating had been done on the property, and I knew it hadn't been done the day before. And it had been done as of now. And I, I texted one of our men. I said, we need to put cameras up on our building because somebody's coming up here after hours and weed eating. <laughs> and most people wouldn't notice that. I doubt if most of you noticed that. I happen to notice it because I watch stuff. But Jesus notices everything we do for his honor and his glory. Aren't you glad about that? I, think, I thank God for that. I believe he notices things. You know, I was just reminiscing uh, this morning. We were... We had a great time Friday night over at our gym for a basketball, volleyball game. And it lasted a long time. A lot of people there, a school from Lebanon was there. We, our team, our school had two, 
two basketball teams and two volleyball teams. And I was thinking how the coaches that coach those teams don't get paid anything. They're just, they're volunteers. They give, they, and they give hours and hours every week. Because, that, because and you know what? We, a lot of people wouldn't notice that, but I'm t- I believe God notices that. Don't you think he does? He does notice that. And I said there are a lot of people there. I don't know how many, well over 100, maybe 150 people were there. And while we're doing this, we have a concession stand that's going on. And people are in that concession stand. They're making hamburgers and hot dogs and taco salads and taco salads. It's my favorite. And there's a line outside that goes outside of, you know, the kitchen area and into the gym. And that line just wouldn't go down. Just seemed like forever. Just people buying food. And you know what? All those people in the kitchen are making this stuff. All the, and you know who the, what they are? They're volunteers. They're in there serving. They're making hamburgers and making all kinds of stuff. I'm just saying people give. And, and people give a lot. They give their time. You know, all that's prepared. And then I, yesterday we, we fed this family over here. And about 50 people. And people, our people brought desserts up here and... And, and, people, and people prepared food for these people. And some of our people volunteered to watch in the nursery, watch the children of these people who are, whose, whose loved ones are having a funeral. You know what? Volunteers do all this stuff. What I'm saying is, it's a lot of stuff goes on. And people are giving. And, you know, when I, um, when I came back over here to the office, after all that was over, Someone's here in the building, cleaning the building, getting ready for us today. The building being vacuumed and cleaned. I'm just saying this. Jesus notices all this stuff. Now, I happen to notice a lot of stuff because I'm around here a lot of times and I watch stuff. But Jesus sees every bit of it. That's the, that's, I, I think it's important to remember. Jesus was watching. You say, well, I don't think Jesus should. I'm glad Jesus is watching. I'm glad he's watching our service. I'm glad he's watching our time we invest. I'm glad he's watching what we do and, 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 and for him and for the kingdom of God. Jesus sees our giving. But not only does he see it, but he evaluates it. By that I mean he, he's able to determine what it's worth. If we were to look at the people who gave the large offering, we would say, man, what an offering. If we'd have looked at the widow who gave a meager offering, we may not have even paid attention to it. But you know what? He, he does not despise even the smallest gift that is given by faith. Isn't that an amazing thing? He's, he evaluates our giving. Matter of fact, the Bible says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, God loveth a cheerful giver. Not a begrudging giver, but a cheerful giver. And he discriminates. And he, no, by that I mean he makes a distinction between what is, what is given by faith and the, and the proportion of it, not just by the amount. That's the way he is. You know, if someone today were to cut a check and say, you know, I want to I pay off the remaining loan on this building. Well, I'd be kind of happy about that, right? I'd be more than kind of happy about that. Because that's a chunk of dough, right? But if someone gave just a, just a few coins or whatever, I might, I might not think about it. I might not see it 
But Jesus sees all that stuff. I'm just telling you, he, he sees and evaluates what we're doing. And his estimation of generosity may be completely different than ours. The rich gave out of their abundance. This widow gave out of her poverty. The wealthy gave proportionately what really would be considered a small contribution based on what they had. But what she gave was genuinely sacrificial. I hadn't even thought about this until it just crossed my mind. My mother was loved the Lord, and she was one of the most generous people I've ever met. Now, she was a woman who was on a fixed income. She was legally blind. She lived on whatever Social Security she had, but she was one of the most generous people I've ever met. And she, too, was a widow. I'm just telling you, God sees these things. And sometimes the one who gives the most may not be the one who gives the most. Sometimes the one who gives little, less, may be the one who gives the most. Notice what it says about this woman in verse 43. He said, he came unto him, he called unto him his disciples, and saith unto them, Verily I say unto you, that this poor widow hath cast more in than all they that which have cast into the treasury. Now that might have been shocking to these disciples. That Jesus said, this woman, who with her two little brass coins, this woman gave more than anybody else, and everybody, more than everybody else. He's using it as an object lesson. Matter of fact, the last part of verse 44, let's, or let's just read verse 44 again. For all they, talking about the others, did cast in of their abundance, but she of her want did cast in all that she had, even all her living. She gave everything. So Jesus gives us this lesson. He observes our giving, not just, I don't think just our money, but our time and our effort and our service. And he knows not only what we do, but he knows proportionally what it means But then he knows, as I said earlier, the motive. He knows what's in our heart. He's aware of the faith that's involved in our giving. You know, people who are in our church and have been around for long know how I feel about this. I believe, I believe giving is a part of our spiritual DNA as Christians. I believe it's, I believe it's part of what it is. It's a part of who we are. Selfishness is not a part of our new nature as Christians. Now, I think we ought to be careful. I think we ought to be frugal. I think we ought to plan things. But, but selfishness is not a part of our spiritual DNA from Christ. I promise you, look at Jesus. We're supposed, we're supposed to be more like him, right? Look at him and see if there's a selfish bone in his body, as we would say. It's not a part of our new nature. Naturally, as a human being, as a mortal, we, we think it's better to receive than to give. I was, I was listening to talk radio one day this week as I was, I was coming from town. I forget where I'd run an errand or something. I was coming back here to the office, and, and they were, like they often do on talk radio, they're just chattering. And, uh, but one, one person was saying about Christmas, do you like receiving gifts or giving gifts the most. Most people, 
you know, especially children, they just, all they can think about is what am I going to get? But that's not the way Jesus taught. Matter of fact, Jesus said, it's more blessed to give than to receive, right? That's what Jesus said. And generous people are blessed people. But let me remind us of this as we think about the giving of this woman. Because some people think, you know, well, why would, why does God, you know, why would God want my life? Why would God want me to serve him? Well, I want to remind you that God is the greatest giver of all. Without dispute, without question, without hesitation, I say that. Let me read this verse in Romans 8. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? God is the greatest. He gives us things to enjoy. And I know everybody doesn't feel the same way about this. But I'm telling you, just the God's handiwork, the leaves on the trees, the birds that sing, the stars that shine. I mean, all this our Father made for us to enjoy. God is the great giver. I mean, if, if some people I know would have made the fish of the sea, they would all be the same bland color. But I'm telling you, not with God. He's the Almighty. And He's the great giver. He gave His only Son. The Bible says here, He spared not His own Son. When I think about Abraham, who was challenged to give his son Isaac, I think what faith Abraham had, what faith he had. But you know what that was? That was a picture, and by the way, God we know provided a substitute for him, caught in the thicket that Abraham offered. But that was a picture of the giving of God. God gave his own son. Imagine that. If you've never had a child, maybe you can't wrap your mind around that, but most of us with imagination, even if we haven't had a child, we can think about what that means, to give your son. And he didn't just give his son for the best of the best. He gave his son for scumbags like me. He gave his son. God is the, God is the greatest giver of all. He delivered him up. That's what the Bible, he delivered him up for us all. And Timothy says he gives us richly all things to enjoy. So when a person starts thinking about, well, I just don't think God ought to want me to give my time. You ought to remember what God has given for you. He gave his life. And Jesus gave his life. He, he gave himself for us. He went through the torture, the humiliation the agony of the cross. He went through that for us. He, he, no one made him do that. He made the angels. The one who died on the cross made the angels. And he said, don't you know I could just, I could call thousands of angels right now and they would come deliver me? Sure he could. If it had been me, I would have. But not him. He gave himself. He gave himself to be crucified. He gave himself to be slaughtered like a lamb, dumb before his shears he went. He gave himself for us. 
I, I'm glad that that reminds us that I don't care who we are or what we've given, all of our giving never matches, never begins to even measure toward he's given for us. Aren't you glad for a generous God that have given us so much? He gave his best for us. He loves us. And he gave, he gives, he gave me life. I was on a path toward hell. I was on a path toward judgment. But God gave me life. And he gave me forgiveness. And he gave me purpose. And he gave me a sense of belonging. He, he gave me pardon for all of my sins. God gave me everything. Everything we have that's valuable, we got it because God gave it to us. And God loves us. So, I want to tell you today, I'm, I, don't look at, I don't look at this lesson and think, well, man, you know, this, this woman, you know, she, what an example she was of sacrificial giving and say, why would we give? I'll tell you, we ought to give to God because God's given everything to us. By the way, you, just because God gave these things for us doesn't mean, that doesn't mean we've appropriated. You've got to receive His gifts, Right? You have to receive him. Receive him as Savior. Receive his forgiveness. Thank God for his salvation today. And if you're here today and you're not saved, I don't care who you are and how old you are. If you're here today and you're not saved, God loves you and Jesus died for you. He shed his blood for you. And he's willing to forgive you and save you. If by faith, you'll receive him as your Savior. Put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. That's the way he is. That's the God that we serve. That's my Lord. That's your Lord. That's our Savior. That's the one that indwells us. And a part of being like Jesus is being, is being a giver, giving him, giving him the love that he deserves, giving him the worship that he deserves. That ought to be what our life is made up about. And not just giving him our love, but giving our love to others. Giving the love of Christ to other people, serving those around us. You know, think about this story and this woman. It reminds me of the fact that you never know what God might use, right? I mean, God used this poor widow woman casting a couple of coins into an offering. And God used that as a lesson to teach us lessons today. And I say this. Because of that, if God could use her, God could use us. God could, God could use what we do. God often uses people in unusual situations. Speaking of widows, think about the widow in 1 Kings chapter 17 who gave Elijah her last bit of meal and how God made that woman an example of what God can do. God can use any of us. So here we look at this passage and we see the widow's offering. A, a thing that I'm sure for all of the host of people in that temple area went unnoticed. Wouldn't you imagine that? All of their gifts, all their money, people bringing these animals. Jesus had turned over all the tables and the money changers and all this host of people assembled there for the Passover season. And here's this woman just give a couple of coins. Who will notice? God noticed, 
right? Jesus noticed. And I'm, I'm glad to know the day that he does, that he sees what we do, that he gauges and judges righteously for what we do. And I don't know about you, but I've thought a lot of times, I wish I had what so-and-so has to give, maybe just the, their ability, their talent, their means. But you know what? God sees what we give. And at the end of the day, it's not going to be how much it is in the eyes of men. It's going to be what it was in the heart of God, in the eyes of God. I want you to think about these things today as we wrap this up. Think about our giving. And when I read this, you may not be like this, maybe, but when I read this, see what this woman did, it challenges me. I want to, I want to be a good steward of what God's given me, of my time, of of my words, I want a, a financial ability. I want, to, I want to be a good steward of what God has given me. Not what God's given somebody else, but what God's given me. I want to be a good steward, and I hope that's you today. But the second thing that I've really emphasized today is the generosity of God, how good God is. God is so good. He's so generous. And then I want to think about the gift of salvation and forgiveness. You know, I only live inside my skin. I don't know what other people think. I don't know how they feel. I only know how I feel and what I think. But the greatest gift that anyone has ever given me is forgiveness of sin and the promise of eternal life. And that didn't come from any man or woman. It came from the Almighty God. It's the greatest gift. All the other possessions we have, all of them combined, would never begin to even measure up against the gift that God has given us in the free gift of salvation. And if you're here today and you don't know him, God loves you. What could he do more than what he's already done? He gave his son, he gave us his word, to reveal his love, to reveal his sacrifice. And God didn't make it. I don't care what religion may tell us. God didn't make it where you had to throw a certain amount of money in the offering to be saved. Or you had to sacrifice a certain amount or give something to the church. Or He didn't make it that way. He paid the entire price in himself. And then he says, what I want you to do is I want you to choose me. I want you to receive me. Isn't that a wonderful God that we serve? It's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. And if you don't know him, you ought to come to him today. You ought to trust him today. Let's bow our heads together for prayer. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed. In just a moment, I'm going to pray. Would you think about the message today? Maybe God has spoken to your heart in some way about the message or through the message. Maybe you're here today and you're not sure you're saved. You don't know Christ as your personal Savior. And you need Him. Today He loves you and He wants to save you. He wants to be a part of your life. But you have to come to him. 
Jesus said to people in his own day, you will not come to me that you might have life. You've got to come to him. And by faith, you've got to receive him. And today, if that's, if that's what he's speaking to you about, you ought to receive him. And we're here to help you with that if you need help with that. Maybe today, maybe today, you've thought, well, nobody really knows what I do and how I serve and the sacrifices I make, the money I give, the time I give, the, as I mentioned earlier, just examples of pe way people serve and volunteer. Maybe, maybe you think, nobody really notices. I want to tell you, God knows. God, if he knew, if he noticed that woman casting in those two little coins, I assure you, he knows. He knows. 